Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest talk. And this is going to be a talk I've just put together over the last couple of weeks I'm excited about. It's looking at the stomach, looking at acute processes. I've given a number of talks on CTSS in the stomach. You can look them up. They're terrific talks. Most of them tend to focus on malignancies. We're looking at adenocarcinoma or lymphoma or GIST tumors or metastasis. We talk about staging and recurrence. But this talk will have a little bit of malignancy, but really I'm talking about acute processes. So what am I speaking about? Ulceration, gastric outlet obstruction, gastric bleed, and a little bit of gastric tumors, only in the sense that it relates to ulceration and to GI bleeding. Now in terms of protocols, ideally, we use water as an oral contrast agent. The stomach must be distended. The number one reason you miss gastric pathology or misinterpret is lack of gastric distension. Now you can use positive contrast. That works well in many cases or most cases. Truthfully, if you're looking for bleed, obviously need a neutral agent like water. But in general, water is a great agent for distending the stomach. You always need IV contrast material, fast injection, four to five cc's a second for 100 to 110 cc's. And then if I'm staging tumors, obviously I'm looking at uh, dual phase imaging. If I'm doing GI bleeding, I'm doing dual phase imaging. A lot of the cases where you will see GI pathology in the stomach will be just typical ER abdominal pain. So often you'll have single phase, often more toward the venous phase. And as I'll show you, we always, of course, look at the axial images, but we always look at the multiplanar, particularly the coronal, and in many situations, 3D imaging, volume rendering especially, but now cinematic rendering, and MIP can be very valuable. So let's just look at a few word slides, a few quotes from articles that'll kind of get us in the mood. So here's an article by Jetty. Gastritis can be secondary to many etiologies from infection, to trauma, to autoimmune disease. Peptic ulcer disease is most commonly associated with H. pylori infection and chronic NSAID use. The most common sites for ulcers are the gastric antra and pylorus, as well as proximal duodenum. The resultant edema and fibrosis around the ulcer site can cause narrowing and eventually obstruction of the gastric outlet, and that's true both in terms of malignancy and non-malignant conditions. While endoscopy is the modality of choice for diagnosing gastritis, CT is often performed first, particularly in the setting of acute abdominal pain. And so it's very important for us to be able to make the correct diagnosis to be able to manage the patients. Now, in terms of CT, gastritis will appear as wall thickening with alternating hyper and hypotenuation zones, that kind of submucosal edema we like to think about with mucosal enhancement. The presence of mucosal enhancement or hyperemia suggests gastritis. We look very carefully at the enhancement to make sure it's smooth throughout the stomach. If you see a break, that's where typically you're thinking about an ulcer or even potentially perforation. We can see uncommon forms of gastritis like emphysematous gastritis, which are usually caused by E. coli. I'll show you a few cases at the end. Emphysematous gastritis is very uncommon. Um, gastric pneumatosis can occur in things like um, G2 placement, so it's not always going to represent ischemia, but it becomes a very important diagnosis, and I'll show you some examples. And I will say that on imaging, 
it can be difficult to distinguish between benign peptic ulcer disease from malignant causes. And that's no great surprise. Perforation doesn't mean benign. Perforation doesn't mean malignant. I will admit, however, when the lesion is bulky or when there's adenopathy present, it's almost always more likely going to be a neoplastic process. Now, I'm not going to look at too many fistula cases, but fistulas can form between the stomach and adjacent organs. You can see fistulas toward the liver or to the gallbladder. The stomach may be involved secondary in cases uh, that you have pancreas involvement or splenic involvement or colon involvement. We often see fistulas in patients who've had prior tumors, and there can be a number of different possibilities. Things like gallstone ileus is more commonly going to be something we see in the duodenum, air in the biliary tree, a fistula to the duodenum, and potentially a gallstone in the duodenum or in the distal ileum where it's more commonly detected. Any type of fistula between adjacent organs has high morbidity, high mortality. Now, I mentioned that we're only going to look at cancer in regard to bleeding and ulcers. Primary gastric cancer is a common cause of cancer-related deaths worldwide, and its presentation can be a gastric ulcer. Typically, the appearance would be a multi-layered pattern of the gastric wall enhancement with thickening, variable enhancement, and ulceration. And again, we look at adjacent stomach to see the transitions and the changes in very specific areas. Now, if tumors are bulky, you can see obstruction, but again, we spoke about obstruction can be to ulcers from any possible cause. Extrinsic obstruction is almost always due to compression of the gastric outlet from adjacent organs, very commonly things that are in the pancreas or peripancreatic region or growing upward from the duodenum. Now, in terms of ulcer disease complications of perforation and bleeding, you want to look very carefully for the presence of free air, particularly anteriorly by the liver. It's often easier to see on coronal views and sometimes on sagittal views. Intraperitoneal free air is a major sign of perforation. We also, as I mentioned, like to use IV contrast. Without IV contrast, it's really impossible to see active bleeding. You can see blood in the stomach, but you don't know if it's active bleeding on a non-contrast scan. There are several pitfalls, obviously patients with medication, for example, Malox is high CT attenuation and can very much simulate blood in the stomach because it's high density, but typically it's much higher density and layers posteriorly uh, by the fundus. So that can be very, very helpful. Again, CT for pelvic ulcer disease um, or peptic ulcer disease, I should say, um, really needs a good quality study and really the fact that you're paying attention to look for it. Now, here's a good example. This ends up being a malignant ulcer, but the first thing you see is pneumoperitoneum. There's air, so we have a perforation. Now, in theory, you see air here as well. It could be due to diverticulitis or some other cause, but then you look at the stomach and you see the thickening of the antrum. So you know there's an ulcer going to be in the region of the antrum. Here's another set of views thickening of the antrum, you get a feel of where the ulcer has to be. Could this be inflammatory and non-malignant? Absolutely. There are a few small nodes here. And remember I mentioned when you see nodes, you especially need to worry. Here's the coronal view. Beautiful example showing you the free air sitting between the liver and the stomach and the infiltration 
of the tumor along the lesser curvature. Here's the ulcer nicely shown. Again, the coronal views are very helpful. Same patient, here is some 3D volume render views, very nicely showing you the thickening of the lesser curvature. When you look at this appearance, you know you're dealing with malignancy and not just simply inflammation. Inflammation tends to be not so long in terms of involvement and typically would be circumferential. When you have malignancy, it's often a very focal infiltrating process, as is the case here. And again, the air between the stomach and the liver is really classic for pneumoperitoneum. Finding the ulcer can be somewhat challenging. Again, um, sometimes patients have multiple ulcers, and this patient did, but here you can see the tract between the stomach and the air in the region between stomach and liver. That's the focal perforation nicely shown. And again, here's another set of images. So in this case, you read the study, gastric perforation, ulceration, and highly suspicious malignancy. This patient will go to surgery for that gastric ulcer in most cases. Interestingly, on the topogram, which you can think about as a plain film, the space between that air and the stomach could be a great hint for pneumoperitoneum. Another example, patient presents with an acute abdomen, and you can see the stomach is distended, and then there's thickening in the antrum, and looks like some extra luminal air right there. Well, we look a little bit further down, and especially you take the stomach, that area is concerning, put it in the coronal view, and now you see the lesser curvature, but there's enhancement, enhancement, here's enhancement, there's a break. That's a classic ulceration and perforation. Now, I admit you can look in this case and say this is not a malignant ulcer. We know there's an ulcer, we know there's perforation. One thing helpful, perhaps you can say, well, it's not bulky like the last case that can be helpful, um, but it's not always going to be perfect. Here's a few more views making the point why I like the coronal view, very nicely showing you the ulceration, lesser curvature. And here's a few more views with volume rendering. Again, the importance of gastric distension. You see high density in the stomach. That means there's blood present. There's the ulceration and there's the perforation. Very nicely shown as I change. This is kind of a thin volume rendered view. Here it is with cinematic. The blood shown nicely. Here's the uh, curvature, right? There's the ulcer right here. There's the perforation. So cinematic rendering very nicely shows you and cinematic rendering is really good for looking at gastric folds. Whether you have air in the stomach or water, it works very nicely. And this article by Ayagagi made the point about uh, the presence of um, ulcer disease, complications, perforation, and bleeding. And the last case had both those complications. Now, the high-density contents, I mentioned this before, and I'll mention this again. In this last case, you saw high-density content. You knew there was bleeding present. When you have ingested matter, it's much more denser. It typically layers out posteriorly. It's not distributed, and it's maybe five or 600 Hounsfield units. Blood is typically more in the 200 to 300 Hounsfield units. Now, that article also makes the point that focal luminal outpouching is a direct CT finding 
of peptic ulcer disease and corresponds to the ulcer crater, for which the defective mucosa occurs endoscopically. But you can see, particularly on the cinematic, I'm giving you an endoscopic view. You very nicely saw the ulceration and the perforation. So that becomes a very important finding. And the more carefully you look and the better protocols you use, the more likely these signs are going to be of value to you. And concluding, we found the most important findings of acute uh, gastric ulcer, high-density gastric contents, focal luminal outpouching, and focal low attenuation wall thickening. And in the last case, we had all of those. It's good to be suspicious. If you're uncertain if there's a perforation or ulceration and you have a good quality study, you might consider suggesting it and let them do endoscopy. You would hate to miss it because then morbidity and mortality would really skyrocket over the next couple days. Now, I showed you the couple cases. It was lesser curvature, anterior wall. Here's posteriorly, stomach's well distended, some high-density matter, perhaps blood. But then here you look at the gastric wall, there's a break right here. Better seen in this image right there. And then you can see it again, another set of axial images. And then from the sagittal view, beautifully showing you the air fluid level in the stomach. But you see the break in the wall in the stomach at about 3 o'clock posteriorly. That's the ulcer with focal perforation. Here it is very nicely shown on the cinematic. There was uh, fluid in the stomach, water was given. But you see the posterior wall is thickened. There's the ulceration and there's the perforation. And again, here's the cinematic with the sagittal view, very much like the other sagittal view I showed you. Interestingly, one of the things you can do with cinematic is really uh, show very nicely the texture of the folds. And here, this is really the first time we're ever able to see this. That's actually the ulceration and that's the perforation. So you see the hyperemic changes of the stomach, but there is beautifully showing you the ulceration. Direct visualization that something cinematic can provide to us. Here's a few more images showing you that again. Just a beautiful, beautiful example showing you that. And that was so good, we actually published that. Honorect published that in radiology just a couple months ago in Images in Radiology. Just a beautiful, beautiful example. Now, in terms of perforated ulcers, not every case will you see a lot of free air. You may not see any free air. Here's a good example, free air. Again, you go through differential, diverticulitis, duodenal ulcer, gastric ulcer. Then we look and we see the stomach is really thickened. There's infiltration. There's ascites present. Here's some more free air. In this case, not only would I worry about an ulcer, but I would have to worry about a malignant ulcer because the stomach infiltration is bulky. There's adenopathy present. It just looks like something infiltrating. Now, again, you need to be careful because maybe the stomach's not as well distended as it could be. But at the end of the day, you will be doing endoscopy at some point. But in this case, the ascites and the adenopathy bother me. Now, you can get ascites with a perforated ulcer that's non-malignant. So that's not a perfect finding, but it can be something to at least think about. Here's very nicely, again, showing you the air between the stomach and the left lobe of the liver. Again, air tracks near the liver, and I showed you that several cases ago. Beautiful example here, the coronal view. Infiltration along the lesser curvature, down to antrum. There's the ulceration, and there's the perforation, and there's the free air. 
So just a very nice out pouching. Again, the stomach, it maybe could be better distended, but that's the best the patient can do. But you can still see, particularly when you look at the coronal views, very nicely that perforation, really a classic example of a perforation with ulceration and concern for malignancy. Here it is on the uh, cinematic. Again, there's that ulceration with the hyperemia around the ulceration, just very nicely shown there. And here it is again in the coronal view, the perforation there. And here it is again. So you can see that some of the newer techniques like cinematic rendering can really provide a lot of additional information that can help you detect the presence of ulcer, extent, and involvement, and at times perhaps be helpful in determining malignant versus non-malignant ulcer. Now, having a GI bleed, we think of ulcer, we think of neoplasm, but we also see other things. And let's look at this case. It's a very unusual case, and then we'll take a break and do part two of this talk. Patient has GI bleeding. You look at the antrum, there's something very vascular in the antrum. It looks lobular and mass-like. Maybe it's a tumor, maybe it's adenocarcinoma, maybe it's a gist tumor, maybe it's lymphoma. The lymphoma typically is not vascular. Then you look at the coronal view, it looks like almost like a polypoid mass, pretty large filling in the antrum of the stomach. On the 3D, very nicely showing you the vascularity. It kind of looks like cloverleaf, right? It looks like a fungating type process. I'm thinking malignancy. There's the vessels. There's no vessel involvement, but there are some feeding vessels off the GDA. It's a very vascular process. So I'm thinking about tumor. Here it is as it washes out, the, the vascularity washes out, but you see the infiltration in the antrum. So again, you're still thinking about malignancy. This was a unique case. It's called gastric antral vascular ectasia. It's an uncommon but clinically important cause of chronic occult or overt GI bleeding. It's also known as watermelon stomach. Uh, typically, it's endoscopic appearance, where the lesion kind of is, looks like gastritis, but has a watermelon type appearance with uh, dark and low density areas. It's an interesting finding. It's more common in older patients and in women. It's a rare entity with a unique endoscopic appearance described as a watermelon stomach. I don't know anything else that goes by the term watermelon stomach, so it's really a good example. And I showed this case in conference, nobody got it right. But then I remembered, I looked it up, that we wrote an article about this. The great Bruce Urban, Bronwyn Jones, Bill Ravitch, Scott Kern, all alive and well in different places. But that was a great case report in 1991. So again, um, an unusual appearance. But if you see a bulky mass in the antrum of the stomach, that lobulations, again, I'm still thinking neoplasm. My first call is not going to be gastric antral vascular ectasia, but every once in a while, if you think about it, you may be right. And just a beautiful example. Look at the term GAVE, G-A-V-E. What a great study. What a great diagnosis. And again, as I mentioned, this is typically uh, female, nine to one female to male, older patients, often associated with liver cirrhosis, and achlorohydridia. Very unusual, right? Usual symptoms are iron deficiency anemia and melanoma. Very, very uncommon. Antrectomy is curative, uh, but endoscopic treatment with heat probes or lasers 
have shown promise. So why don't we stop there on that rare note, think about that gave, and let's come back and finish up with a little bit more on acute gastric processes. Thanks very much. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.